We uh, thought it appropriate to celebrate communion as we begin our Christmas series this year. Christmas is forgiving. If you hadn't picked up on the fact already that it's the Christmas season, uh, hopefully this morning has, has opened your eyes to that from the, the Christmas decorations to the, the wonderful Merry Christmas from Nate and and uh, I think we sang maybe a few Christmas-themed songs today. Did I catch on to that? Did I catch? Yeah, okay. Well, if you, if you hadn't figured out it's Christmas time, and, and you know what that means, don't you? Everybody's like, uh, well, what does it mean, Pastor Earl? It, uh, it means that everywhere you go, you're going to hear that annoying song from the movie Frozen. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Is it only the parents, the young parents who get that? Well, I see some grandparents nodding their head. You, you, you know the, the song, Frozen? Do you really? We're going to see about that. Let's sing it together. Let it go, let, let it go. go. Can't, Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care. What they're going to say Let the storm rage on The cold never bothered me anyway Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I despise that song. Amen. Can I get an amen? That might be the most moving thing I say all day, huh? I absolutely despise that song, not just because it's everywhere and it's like way up here out of my range. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I, <laughs> one of the reasons I don't like the song is because of what it means. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about what that song, what the message of that song is? Queen, Queen Elsa in the movie Frozen, Queen Elsa sings that song uh, as she's run away from her kingdom, she's abandoned all, abandoned all of her responsibilities, and she's decided she's going to throw off all restraint. She's going to do whatever she wants. She's going to let the whole world turn to ice if, if possible. Of course, she has ice powers, and that's, you know, that's a whole other issue. Um, she doesn't care what people think. She's just going to do what she wants. And it's all under the guise of, this is who I've been created to be. The message drives me crazy. But everywhere you go in the Christmas season, and hopefully it's a little less this year because the movie's been out for, what, a year and a half, two years, something like that. So hopefully we don't hear it as much. But, I mean, last year it was like you'd go to the mall and there it was. You'd go to Meyer and there it was. I'm standing in the bank lobby and there's an instrumental version of Let It Go. And I'm like, ah! And, and I can't stand the song, so here's what I did. Um, if you can't beat them, Join them. So what I did is I thought, you know what, if I'm going to have to hear this song every time I turn around, um, I'm going to write my own words. And I'm going to write words that help me, um, you know, that are like positive words that, that don't get me like, you know, I'm going to be who I am because that's who I want to be. I don't care what other people think. Whatever. The cold never bothered me anyway. So, uh, so I wrote some words. And, and just for fun, I'm going to ask you to sing a few of them with me. You know the song. You've proven that now. So, so let's try a few of these verses I've made up. Let it go, let it go, you don't need to buy that stuff. Let it go, let it go, you already have enough. Oh, that works, don't you think? Let's, let's try, this one's especially for me. Let it go, let it go, come on, sing with me. You don't need to eat that food. Let it go, let it go, 
It won't treat you so good. Oh, I can't stand this song. Let's, um, you know what, let's just skip to the last one. This one, this one we're going to do the whole chorus. Are you ready? All right, you're going to sing it with me? All right, let's do it. Let it go, let it go. She can't help it, she's a jerk. Let it go, let it go. Jesus makes forgiveness work. Here I stand at the cross. If I don't forgive, this Christmas season will be a loss. Yeah. I'll be here all morning, folks. No, praise God, the rest is preaching. That's it. I told you I hated the song. Way out of my range. Can't find the notes. I, I should have had Jim lead that part. Um, catch, catch that, though. Catch that last. Go back to that last screen, Amy. If I don't forgive, this Christmas season will be a loss. Amen. You know, that's a, that's a, a powerful truth. If we are unable to forgive others or ourselves, doesn't the Christmas season just become incredibly difficult? You know, for so many, holidays are hard to, to sludge through, uh, especially the Christmas holidays in the midst of all the, the, the joy and the happiness. So many people carry a burden and a heaviness that they just can't explain. And, and I would suggest that, that at least part of that is the reality that so many people carry around the weight of unforgiveness. And so over the course of the next several weeks, this is what Pastor Joel and I would like, to, uh, would like to talk about. We'd like to talk about this reality that if you want to experience the joy of Christmas, forgiveness is the key. For some of you, that's going to mean that, that there's people in your life that you need to forgive. You need to carry, uh, take the, the unforgiveness, the, the heavy burden you've been carrying towards that person. You need to lay it down. You need to let it go. For some of you, it's not a matter of forgiving others, of, of extending or giving forgiveness, but it's a matter of receiving forgiveness. You may need to receive forgiveness from others, and, and, and you may need to have a sense that there's a reconciliation or relationship. You may need to, to forgive yourself, or most importantly, you may need to receive for the first time, or, or perhaps after a season of wandering away, you may need to receive forgiveness from God. And Pastor Joel and myself, our heart over these next four weeks is that if you have any unforgiveness that is muting this season, that's making it unbearable, that you would make a decision, you would come to a point, you, point where you would say, I'm done. I'm letting it go. If I won't choose to extend or receive forgiveness, this whole thing is pointless, and so I will. The Christmas story, although we don't often perhaps think of it in terms of forgiveness, it might not be a theme that we would normally explore as, as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, our, our newborn king. The reality is, as we'll see over the course of the next four weeks, that forgiveness is all over the Christmas story. Even in the, the passage we're going to read today from Luke chapter 2, if you want to take a moment and find it in your Bible, you may. Uh, we've also printed it on the notes that are in your bulletin. You'll see it's right there at the top of the notes. Uh, Luke chapter 2. We're reading about the shepherds today. 
I'm going to start reading at verse 8. You can read from wherever you want, but I'd invite you to read it from the screen because there's going to be some yellow print on the screen, and I'm going to ask you to to read that part aloud. So let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Amen. Thank you for playing the role of angels. If anyone asks you if your church did a Christmas play, you can say, I played the part of the angel. You know, we've probably, probably all of us here, I would guess, have heard the Christmas story uh, time and time again. Uh, perhaps even if church hasn't been a regular part of your life until recently, uh, you've heard, uh, maybe, thank, maybe thanks to Charlie Brown, uh, you've heard the Christmas story or bits and pieces of it. And it becomes so familiar. And we've taken this Christmas story, and because we've become familiar with it, and uh, because we want to make it something that brings hope and peace and harmony at the, the Christmas times, we've made it, uh, we, we've kind of sanitized it. We've, we've took out of it, taken out of it the original emotions. As a matter of fact, if we can put this picture up. Um, recently, I was in a Christian bookstore and saw this nativity set, and so I, I snapped a picture of it. And uh, as you look at this, as you look at the picture of this nativity set, what are some words that come to mind? Just go ahead and holler them out. There's not a wrong answer. A savior. Birth, birth. I, I think like beautiful, serene, burlap. Ivory. I mean, ivory reminds me of like royalty and and, 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 um, and I'm thinking, I want tattoos like those folks. Scripture just tattooed right here on my gut. I got plenty of room for it. No, but, uh, you know, I, I, I look at this, or, or even today while we're, while we're singing, Amy, I'm going to throw a curveball here. Could you just put up one of the slides from any of the songs we sang about the shepherds today? It doesn't matter which one, just pick one. Okay, that's perfect. Look at this one. What, what feeling do you get as you look at the picture, not so much the words? Peace, serenity, quiet, calm. I mean, beauty. I look at the shepherds, and it's almost like the shepherds are kings with a staff. They've got this long, flowing robe. They're in purple, and the, and the sheep are these cute little cotton balls. And, and the whole thing, it just, you know, a, a starry night. It's just so Beautiful. And, and this, I'm afraid, is what we've done to the Christmas story. And the reality is, as, we, as, as Luke tells us the story of the time when the angels appeared to the shepherds, there was nothing calm and peaceful and serene about it. As a matter of fact, did you catch what he wrote in verse 9? The angels appeared, and what was the shepherds' response? They were terrified. They were terrified, as if that word isn't strong enough in English. When Luke wrote it, what he actually wrote was, they feared a great fear. There's nothing peaceful or serene. It's not a, a nice little 
starry night like this, like, like we might imagine, go back to the, the sermon, Amy. We, we've, uh, we've taken a Christmas story and, and we've missed the point. They were scared. Uh, this happened in, in the nighttime. And to the Jews, the, the, the night was a, was a time of evil when wickedness happened. Of course, we can kind of relate to that. If not, stop on by the church some night this week and I'll let you walk through the building without the lights on. You'll go, I get it. It's scary. Uh, uh, to, the, to, the, to the Jews, something happening at night was never a good sign. There's fear, there's terror, there's, there's questions of what's really going on here. But there's some very specific reasons that I want to look at, three of them, why the angels appeared at night to the shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem. The, the first reason I believe that the angels announced in Luke's story, the shepherds are the first ones to hear the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe the reason for that is, is that, that, that for centuries, the promise of a Savior had been given to shepherds. The promise of a Savior's forgiveness had been given to shepherds throughout Israel's history. I mean, if you were to go back to the Older Testament, the first part of our Bible, the only scripture that Jews had, you'd be amazed to find how many of the, the characters, let's say, how many of the, the, the people in the Old Testament were shepherds and had some kind of special interaction with the Lord. You don't even have to, I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning, and, and, uh, and, and one of the very first people we find out was a shepherd and had a special interaction with the Lord was a man by the name of Abel. And it just continues to march through Scripture. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the three pillars of Jewish faith, all shepherds. You continue to walk through, even if you get to the, the prophets. The, the prophet Amos announces in his book that he was a shepherd, that, that God used to tell the nation about the work that God was doing and was going to do in the nation of Israel for, for centuries God had, God had had special interaction with shepherds and had promised through them to do something in and through the people of Israel that history had never experienced. But, but in the Old Testament, God didn't just make this promise to shepherds. He actually partnered with shepherds to extend salvation and forgiveness to people. I mean, just think of two great stories that, that probably all of us have some familiarity with. God's people of Israel are in slavery in Egypt. And they've been there for centuries, 400 years, let's say. And then one particular afternoon, there's a dude in the field. And what's he doing in the fields? I've already given you that. He's watching sheep. And God appears to him in a bush that burns and burns and never burns up. And, and God says, I've heard the cries of my people and I've come to rescue them. Of course, we know that that shepherd was Moses. That's right. I had you sing, and so now you're done interacting with me, huh? Will you please forgive me for that? <laughs> Christmas is forgiving. Okay. So, uh, so it was Moses, and uh, God said, go bring my people out. You know, and, and Moses led God's people out. The greatest act in all of Israel's history because of a shepherd. 
Or think about this, about a thousand years before this happened, perhaps in these very fields, there was a young shepherd boy watching sheep doing his job. And and one day a lion came along and snatched up one of the sheep. And so what did the shepherd boy do? He ran after it and, 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 and hit it, grabbed it maybe by the tail. Whatever he did, it angered the lion because he dropped the sheep out of its mouth, turned around. And so what did the boy do? He beat it to death with his bare hands. And this happened again with a bear, and, and, and same result. And of course, we only know this story because David, the greatest king in all of Israel, and Pastor Joel uh, so helpfully walked us through this over the last few weeks. David told that story to King Saul before, he, before David marched out and killed Goliath, and at least for a, for a brief season, freed Israel from Philistine captivity. You see, God didn't just promise salvation and forgiveness through a shepherd. He partnered with shepherds in Israel's history to begin to accomplish that. And and he also filled in whatever gaps were left with promises that he would one day send a shepherd who would care for his people. As a matter of fact, finish this sentence. The Lord is my... Yeah. Or uh, or open your, your Bible, if you'd like, to to Ezekiel, the great prophet Ezekiel, chapter 34. I don't know about in your Bible, but in my Bible, there's a heading. And it says, uh, the Lord will be Israel's shepherd. And as you read chapter 34 over and over and over, you get this sense. You hear the Lord saying through Ezekiel, you are the sheep of my pasture and I will care for you. There's a reason that the angels appeared to the shepherds that night outside of Bethlehem because this is where for thousands of years history had been pointed. God had been promising, I will send forgiveness. I will send a savior. God had been demonstrating his willingness to work with shepherds to do it and he had promised them there will come a shepherd with a capital S who will take care of everything, every forgiveness need, Every bondage need that you have will be taken care of by him. Now, now, now catch this. For generations, and these shepherds were Jews, no doubt about it. For, for generations, the Jewish people had been waiting to see how God would keep these promises. And then here, on this night, the sky is filled with light and with angels. And they say... I kept my promise. And I'm telling you first because you're the ones around whom the promise is focused. Now, if God can keep a promise over several centuries that he would one day send a Savior to care for his people, and if he would announce it to the shepherds, the very metaphor at the epicenter of what he was doing, that we can have confidence you can have confidence today that God will keep his promise to you. Every single person who waited and waited and, and, and heard God's promise to send a shepherd and trusted God's promise, every single one of them, until this announcement in Luke 2, died waiting to see God's promise fulfilled. We have the opportunity to know that the promise has been fulfilled. And if he, if he fulfilled it to the people of Israel, if he fulfilled it in these fields when he announced it to the shepherds, we can be guaranteed 
that he'll fulfill it to us. And, and what is God's promise? God's promise is to send through this baby that was born forgiveness and healing and freedom. The, uh, it's as if the angels were saying to the shepherds that night, I've kept my promise. I've kept my promise. A savior, a shepherd has been born to you. He will provide the forgiveness you need. And if the angels would deliver that message to shepherds in fields outside of Bethlehem, they would deliver it to us too. And God has made you the same promise. As a matter of fact, Scripture is, is chock full of promises. Just think of this one from 1 John 1, 9, where God promises if you confess your sin, I will faithfully forgive you of your sins. Forgiveness can be yours. God has promised it if you'll seek it, if you'll ask it, if you'll request it and admit your need for it. God has promised, I will forgive you. You will be accepted. And we can be sure that he will because for centuries he kept his promises that he would one day send a Savior. And the shepherds got to be the recipients of, of the promise, of the fulfillment of centuries of promise. I, I think the second reason the angels appeared to the shepherds is that um, these specific shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem were temple shepherds who cared for uh, the animals used in sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. These were temple shepherds. Now, now real quick, if you go all the way back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, something incredible happens there. Adam and Eve disobey. They sin. And as a result of their sin, they look at each other and they realize for the first time since they've been created that they're naked. And so what do they do? They actually, they hide. Yeah, they cover themselves. They, they hide. Art depicts it, you know, behind a tree or a bush or something like that. But the scripture doesn't say, it just says they hide. And then as was his habit, God comes down into the garden for, it's almost like his afternoon walk, afternoon story time or play time, I don't know, I'm, I'm adding there, um, but, but the Lord appears in the garden to walk with Adam and Eve, and he doesn't find them, and so he calls out to them, and we have this whole dialogue about what's happened, of course, God knows what's happened, and, and uh, finally, they, they somewhat begrudgingly and not completely admit what they've done, and, and so what does God do? They're naked. This is a reality now that's not going away. And so what does God do? Do you remember? He kills an animal to make a skin covering for both Adam and Eve. And so here we have, among other consequences, the first key consequence of sin is death. Animal had to be killed. Blood had to be shed so that their sin could be covered up. And so this becomes a focal part of Israel, Jewish worship. God delivers to them a sacrificial system that says, if you want to be forgiven, in order to uh, receive, acknowledge my forgiveness, an animal needs to die. And uh, the most common animal that we know of was a spotless lamb, a, a sheep. There were other animals that God had made provision for, but, but the lamb was the focal point. Now imagine over centuries of, of uh, 
carrying out the sacrificial system, and eventually a temple in Jerusalem, the capital city, being built. Uh, and, and, and then over the evolution of uh, a holiday known as Passover. Passover was when we celebrate the fact that a shepherd led us out of slavery. Are you with me? So every year we celebrate this, this Passover, this one day in our calendar where, uh, where all is forgiven, where all is wiped clean. And, uh, and you begin to see that uh, it was the Jewish goal to travel to the capital, to the temple, to make our sacrifices there on Passover. Okay, it might be like traveling to the Mall of America on Black Friday, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know but, but we go to the epicenter of what our movement is doing to do the most important thing that we'll do in our calendar. So, so this was the goal of every Jewish family. They wanted to travel to Jerusalem for Passover so their sacrifice could be made in the temple. As a matter of fact, as they ate their, their Passover meal, and Jews to this day still eat the Passover meal, it's called a Seder. And do you know what the last line of the Seder celebration is? Next year in Jerusalem. And so this, about this time of the year, every year, there'd be an influx in travelers going to Jerusalem for Passover to sacrifice a lamb in the temple for the forgiveness of their sins and their family's sins. And, and this became the way that it worked. Now, can you imagine Jews spread throughout the entire known world at the time? And we, we've talked about before how that happened. Nebuchadnezzar and, and other kings came in and conquered and took Jews away. So they're spread all over. They're not just in Israel. And can you imagine a Jew who's goal it is to celebrate Passover, to sacrifice the lamb in the temple. And they have the means to do it. They can make the journey. They can take their family. They can, they can take the time away from their craft, whatever it is, and, and they can make the trip to Jerusalem. Can you imagine how they might travel over land and sometimes sea, not only with their family, but with the animal that they're going to sacrifice? I mean, can you imagine the, the difficulty of that? You don't just hitch up a trailer and throw the animal in the back and, and, and drive. I mean, it, it just became too unbearable, too unreasonable. And so the uh, religious leaders in Jerusalem began to say, you know, there's probably a way we can help here. So here's what we'll do. We will make sheep available to, to travelers, to those on pilgrimage, so that they can come, they can purchase their sheep here, and then they can give it for the sacrifice. Makes sense. Pretty good businessmen, even then. And, uh, and this isn't the first time. I mean, we hear about this in the scripture. As a matter of fact, at two different times, Jesus goes into the temple, goes into a fit of rage, and turns over the tables of money changers. What were the money changers doing? The reason they were there was so that people could buy their lamb for the sacrifice. And Jesus said, you've missed the point. The true lamb has arrived, all that good stuff. So uh, this whole thing happened where the religious leaders said, we'll make sheep available so that people can travel, buy a lamb, sacrifice it, done deal. And, uh, and we make a little money for the temple coffers in the meantime. Well, if you're going to supply sheep to people on pilgrimage, let's say thousands of, of Jewish families, where are they going to come from? The sheep. Yeah, that's right. Someone has to tend them. Someone has to care for them. Someone, there has to be flocks Somewhere, traditionally, the temple flocks were kept outside of Jerusalem in Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem, the town of David, the great shepherd king. And so here are these shepherds taking care of sheep 
that not too long from this announcement will be used to provide forgiveness for people who need it. And the angels appeared, and, and they weren't just, in a sense, they weren't just announcing to the shepherds that God has kept his promise that a Savior has been born. They're saying here in the epicenter of this whole thing, these sheep are the first of the last. There won't be any more. In just a few years, the lamb will be sacrificed. The forgiveness will become available to everyone. And the visual, the image, the meaning of the angels appearing here is powerful. Soon the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world will be sacrificed. And we want you to know about it. God wants you to know about it. This is available to everybody. The angels didn't just appear to the shepherds, though, because of God's track record of promising this and to show that God keeps his word. It wasn't just because these were the temple sheep and, and, and maybe even the sheep had a little party like, hey, that's it, we're done, no more being killed. I don't know, I'm making that up. Um, but thirdly, because if there was anyone in and around Jerusalem who needed forgiveness, it was shepherds. Shepherds were badly in need of forgiveness. And if you've, uh, if you've been part of Beulah for the last several years, uh, you've heard this time and again. The reality is that shepherds in Jewish culture, horrible. I mean, you look back at the Old Testament, you think it might not be so bad. I mean, we just listed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abel, David, Moses, Amos, and the list could go on and on. All these people were shepherds. You'd think it'd be a good thing to be a shepherd. But by the time Jesus is born, that's not the case for shepherds. They, it had moved from a, a family business that had some nobility and it, it really kind of become the dregs of society. You couldn't trust shepherds. Shepherds' reputation, the, the stereotype about shepherds is they're dishonest, they're thieves, uh, they, they use land that doesn't belong to them, they take things that aren't theirs. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Jewish teaching, children were actually taught you don't buy things from shepherds. Because if you do, uh, if we could say it like this, it might be like that guy down the corner, you know, with the stuff in the back of his truck. And you're going, where'd that come from? Why does this say Smith family on it? I mean, it's like, if you bought from a shepherd, it was like buying hot items. These probably weren't theirs. If they were going to sell you wool or milk or, or anything sheep-related, they got it somehow. And the, the sheep they tend aren't their sheep, so they came by it probably dishonestly. The, uh, the shepherds of this part of the country, Palestine, at this time in history, were the lowest of the low. They were the people that were overlooked, they were, they were outcast, they were marginalized, they were the invisibles that you could look right through and not even realize that they were there, they weren't to be trusted. Um, religiously, they couldn't even participate in the, in the worship of their people. They, they weren't allowed to go in the temple, they were considered unclean, and so they, they couldn't, couldn't come near. Interacting with them would make the person who interacted with them unclean, and so they were stuck in the fields, marginalized. 
Now, now here's the thing. If, if you uh, have a sense of what this is like, if you're reading the story for the first time, you might think, you know, okay, this makes sense. Uh, it's nighttime. Uh, of course, there's going to be groups of them uh, because this is what marginalized people do. They, they, they gather together. Of course, their work keeps them in the field. That's what they have to do. And so apparently the angels appear to them because they were the, the closest large group who we you know, could use to instantly get the word out. I mean, this is mass marketing at its finest. We're going we're to go to the shepherds first because they're there. They're not going to have any other option. No one else trusts them. They're going to hear us. They're going to believe us. And the, the word is going to spread like wildfire because we've got all these shepherds with nothing to do but to go and check it out and, and then maybe to, to, tell, uh, to tell others. But um, I, I want you to notice how personal this message from the angels was. Look at it again, if you would, in verse 11 and 12. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. You read the yellow words. A Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So as, as, as Bible scholars and, and theologians look at these verses, they notice there's a repeated, uh, a repeated phrase here. And what is it? You guys are so good. It's to you. And they look at, they look at the two occurrences and they say the first one is, is kind of a general phrase. Uh, when the angels say a Savior has been born to you, he's talking about all of humankind. The angel or the angels, however you want to say it, are, are, are speaking to humanity as a whole. A Savior has been born to all y'all, to everyone. And this fits, this, this, this matches what we know about Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, of the world for everybody. Jesus is for all people, for the outcast and the marginalized, for the, for the addict and the alcoholic, for the sex worker and the homosexual, for the religious and the holy, for the citizen and the immigrant. Doesn't matter if your skin is red, yellow, black, or white. Jesus is for everyone. The angel says a savior, a forgiver, has been born to everybody. But notice the angel doesn't stop there. He, uh, he, 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 he uses the same phrase again. He says, this will be a sign to you. Now, who's he talking to there? Was he talking to, uh, uh, to me in 2016, December 4th? No, the answer is no. On this one, he's not. The first one, yes. The second one, no, because I didn't, I've never been to Bethlehem. I wasn't going to go to the manger and find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Who is the angel speaking to on the second? To you. Specifically to the shepherds. Okay, catch what's happening here. The angel says to everybody, a Savior's been born, and then he says to the shepherds, and to you, this is how you're going to know that he's your savior. He's for everyone. And then to make sure the shepherds caught that they were part of everyone, the, sh the angel said, he's born to you. He's specifically for you. And this is how you will find him. Jesus the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, was born to everyone. Jesus 
is born to you. And we can say that in 2016 as we sit here in Beulah Missionary Church. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus, a savior, a forgiver, a healer, a redeemer, a restorer, a bondage breaker, has been born to you. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past story is. It doesn't matter how long you've been away from the church. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter what's been done to you or what other people have said about you. It doesn't matter what your reputation is, what your bank account looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you're wearing. It doesn't matter how far you've wandered. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you struggle with, what you're enslaved by. A savior a forgiver, has been born to you. You're good enough. You matter. You need forgiveness. That's been provided. This is the truth of the Christmas story. A Savior has been born to you. Forgiveness is available. You're not only welcome, but you're expected. He wants you to find him. And this will be a sign to you. This will be a sign to you. I don't know where you're at this morning, but if I don't miss my guess, there's some here today who are saying, I need a forgiver born to me. I need to receive some forgiveness. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to not only have forgiveness for this act that I'm caught up in, but I need to, I need to be free from it. I need a savior. My hope for you today is if something, if your heart speeds up, you know, the, the, the beats get faster as we talk about the reality that a savior has been born to you. If something inside your heart and your mind is going, don't miss this, don't miss this. I hope that as we pray in a moment, uh, you'll choose to pray with me to meet this forgiver to meet this Savior, this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's others here today who uh, it's not a matter of needing to receive forgiveness, but to extend forgiveness. And my hope for you is over the course of the next several weeks, the Spirit will continue to speak to you and you will soften your heart and allow the Spirit to guide you. Friends, Christmas is forgiveness. It is forgiving. Some of you here today may want to receive forgiveness. I'm going to ask as we all bow and pray, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you just to repeat this first part of this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, something inside of me today knows I need forgiveness. I'm sorry for how far I've wandered, and I thank you for prov providing forgiveness for me. I confess that I need a Savior because I'm a sinner 
And I thank you for the forgiveness you offer me. Amen. I'm going to ask all eyes to remain closed and heads bowed. And if you prayed that prayer today, would you just slide your hand in the air? Amen. I'd like to invite, I see several hands throughout the sanctuary. You can put them down. I'd like to invite you afterwards uh, to talk with me or to talk with Pastor Joel. And we'd like to pray with you in person. For the rest of us, I'd like to uh, close us in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the news that the angels announced to the shepherds. A Savior has been born to all of us. And Lord, I thank you uh, that, that I'm part of all of us and that a Savior has been born to me and to each of my brothers and sisters here. Father, I pray for those this holiday season who are carrying a, a burden of unforgiveness. Uh, there's some healing that needs to happen. Perhaps they're in bondage, but it all stems back to forgiveness issues. Father, I pray that over the course of this Christmas, they would not only receive forgiveness, but would be able to extend forgiveness. Pray that the birth of your Savior would teach us and remind us that there is hope, there is healing, there is salvation, there is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Father, if we uh, give or receive no other gift that we, that we like this year, may we give and receive this gift of forgiveness. In your name we pray, amen. And ask if you'd please stand. I'd like to bless you before we are dismissed. I'd like to pronounce over you the blessing that was typical in Jewish worship. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. You are dismissed.